It's time for CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, and TuneIn. The easiest thing to do is tell Alexa or Siri to play CBJ in 30. Here's your host, Bob McGilligan. Welcome to CBJ and 30 presented by Telhio Credit Union. Blue Jackets go into Tampa. In fact, here I am at Amelie Arena in Tampa where the Blue Jackets split their two-game series with the Lightning. Last night, they lose by the score of 3-2. to two. Tough loss for the Blue Jackets last night. Thought it was a well-played game. Uh, they uh, had chances that they missed on. Uh, so did the Tampa Bay Lightning. Tampa Bay hit a couple of uh, posts in that game. Could have been much more than the three goals that they scored. They could have had six in that one before it was all said and done. But in any event, uh, the Blue Jackets play well, but they don't play well enough to get the win. They lose the game three to two. Um, I'll tell you what, it was a tough night for Boone Jenner, I thought. Boone had so many chances to score goals. He just couldn't get the puck by Vasilevsky. He had a pseudo breakaway. It wasn't a really clean breakaway where he could go in and, and try to make any moves on Vas- uh, Vasilevsky shorthanded early in the game. That one got stopped. Nick Felino was following up that play. He had a chance to put it on net. They didn't get that one in. Uh, also, there was another save that Vasilevsky made while he was falling backwards and he was still able to keep the puck out of the net. So there were chances galore by both sides. But it was a one to nothing game before Zach Wierenski scored to make it a 1-1 game. Eric Robinson gave the Blue Jackets the lead. In the third period, you know, Robinson has had how many breakaways have we seen in the last two, three weeks from this guy? And he just can't get the puck on net and he can't get it through the goalie. None of that stuff. And and he did this time. He got it by Vasilevsky and gave the Blue Jackets the uh, two to one lead. They couldn't hold it because Tampa came back and it was a it it was a tough goal. It was a a tough one. The the second one, the game tying goal that was scored and got to get the. Got to get the notes here and just check this out. In the third period, it was a very young Ross Colton who's playing in his 10th NHL game. And he gets a puck. He's coming down the left wing side and uh, shoots it by Elvis Merzlikens. I thought that was one. You know, we always talk about where do you want the shots? You want them from the boards, right? He got the shot from the board. It got by him on the glove side. Look, if you're going to shoot on Elvis, I don't think it's any secret. Go to the glove side. That's where you have the better chance for success. He went to the glove side. Colton did. He got the goal. And that made it a 2-2 game. And then Braden Point. I hate talking about Braden Point. Drives me crazy to talk about Braden Point. You know why? Because Braden Point has been a Blue Jackets killer in the last couple of years. And he did it again. He got the first goal in a five-on-three power play situation. And then he gets the last goal. David Savard goes down to the ice to try to take away a pass and or block a shot. Savard has his stick strung out behind him. And the shot just happens to hit the blade of the stick. and It changed the direction. And that turns out to be the game-winning goal. And I'll tell you this, Blue Jackets pulled Elvis with two minutes and 47 seconds left. They didn't give up. They kept the puck in the zone. Patrick Line shot the puck. He shot the puck a lot in this game. Sometimes it made it to the net. Sometimes it didn't. He uh, bruised and slowed down Cal Foot with a shot that hit him. And then he did it late in the third period. Who blocked that shot in the third period? My son Matthew is with me tonight here. He he came to the game. and just, No, you're allowed. You, who Who? You're allowed to duck in here and answer. Who blocked the shot in the third period that he took? And, I believe it was Sergachev. Who was it? Sergachev. Sergachev. Well, you don't want to be on camera. You're not. You don't want to be part of CBJ and Thirty. All right. He doesn't want to be on the camera. So there he is. All right. So 
Well, everybody can see the reflection in the plexiglass anyway. So it's uh, all right. Sir, Sergeyev blocked the shot and got stunned in the third period. I've said this for how long? I said it to John Tortorella just the other day prior to the game. Can you please tell Patrick Line to shoot the puck, even if it hits a guy and it stuns a guy and it hurts a guy? He might not want to block the next one. He finally did that tonight. And every shot that he got through to the net that hit Vasilevsky, guess what? It did not get contained. There was a rebound, and it got away. And uh, the Blue Jackets turned it into second chances. Again, they couldn't beat Vasilevsky. He came in with a 1.99 goals against average. That's less than two goals per game. They did get two tonight. Getting that third, you knew it was going to be tough. They just couldn't quite do it. So they have to settle for a split. And it stinks. But what really stinks is they lost those first two games of the trip in Detroit and had to settle for zero points. If you get some points out of that, it doesn't feel so bad. But it wasn't for a lack of effort here tonight. I'll tell you that. Now, should we be happy about moral victories at this point? No, shouldn't. But I'm just telling you, they played the right way. They gave great effort right to the very end. And this trip isn't over yet. It's only, uh, what is it, uh, two-thirds of the way done, right? Because they've got two games left to play against the Florida Panthers Saturday and Easter Sunday over in Sunrise, Florida. So speaking of that, let's not look back. Let's look ahead to the series against the Florida Panthers. That will start tomorrow. But before we do that, I want to tell you about my good friends over at Telhio Credit Union. Yes, Telhio Credit Union, starting back in 1934, that's when they decided to put people ahead of profits. And they have stayed that way ever since. It is their mantra. It is in their DNA. And to find out if Telhio Credit Union is a place where you should have your money, just go to their website at tellhio.org. You can surf around, click on all the tabs, get all the information about their services and about the perks that go along with their services. And if there's something you can't find during business hours, there's a live, uh, there's a tab on the right-hand side. You can click on that for a live chat. Somebody will come on there and they'll help you find what you're looking for. Tellhio Credit Union, find them on the web at tellhio.org. So the Florida Panthers, this is a team that they've got some injuries. They lost one of their top defensemen for the remainder of the year. They've been without their captain. They've been without another prolific forward. So to talk about all of that and much, much more, I had a chance to catch up with the radio voice of the Florida Panthers, Doug Plagans. Well, you know, it's funny. Sometimes we don't think about how time flies. And then if we take a minute and think about it, you realize that uh, a lot of time has gone past in your life. And that's the way I am with Doug because Doug – interned with me all the way back in Syracuse when I was working with the crunch and he was a grad student at Syracuse university. And, uh, he was really a trailblazer. And I don't know, do you realize what you did when you reached out to me and, and contacted me about coming in for an internship? There was no internship program. There was nobody that was ever interested in what I did and how I did it and wanting to do the things that I did for a living until I got a call from you and your buddy, Nate Lowell. You were my first two interns ever. And now it's turned into a program where they're just cranking out announcers throughout pro hockey. So you get a lot of credit for that, man. You guys started it. I, you know, it's funny you bring it up because I remember Nate and I, the way I remember it, we were, you know, there were all these different options. People were going and getting their internships and, and we knew, we knew what we wanted to do. We knew that we were interested in play-by-play and, you know, so we're we're surfing around and, and seeing, uh, you know, looking at the different team websites. And, um, you know, we happened to, to see your name on there, Bob. And uh, and we said we, we said we got to find this guy. We got We got to find this guy. We got to meet this guy, uh, you know, and, and just see what happens. And uh, and that's what we did. We we sought you out at the ballpark one day. And uh, and that was that was where we met you for the first time. And uh, and it's uh, something I'm, I'm just all I can say is I'm glad we did that because uh, you've taught me 
you've taught me so much over the years and, uh, and to have you as a, as a lifelong mentor and friend, it, it just means a ton. Well, I, I really appreciate that. And I just want to say for anybody that's an aspiring broadcaster or anybody that's aspiring to do something in life, uh, in my opinion, the way Doug did it is the right way. He was proactive. Uh, he came in, look, the way that I am, and I, I know you remember me telling you this at the start, I'm not a hands-on guy, right? I'm, I'm not a hand holder is what I always tell people. Yeah. If I ask you to do something, go do it. Do it to the best of your ability. If there's a problem with it, I'll let you know, and you can fix it and do it better the next time. Uh, that's just how I operate, old school kind of operation. And, uh, you know, again, I, I think that's, you know, it's easy for us to say, Doug, because that's what we did and that's how we're here. But I'm sure you talk to young guys now that are aspiring to get into the field. Do you convey that same kind of message that, you know, hard work, uh, be on time, dress the part, uh, whether you have the job or not, all those things? Yeah, I, no question about it. I mean, when you look at, the, in some ways, I tell people this all the time too, maybe the the best thing and maybe the craziest thing about this industry and this field is that there isn't, you know, there isn't one set path to get to where you want to be. Everybody's path's different. If you ask, if you ask all the NHL radio announcers that are out there, you know, there are a lot of guys who worked in the ECHL and worked in the American Hockey League and and had kind of that uh, conventional up the pipeline path to getting to the National Hockey League. But there are so many different ways that people wound up with uh, with these jobs and so many different paths that people can take. And it gives you the opportunity to carve out your own path. And in some ways, the toughest thing about it is finding that place to start. And, uh, and you know, that's where I tell, I tell a lot of guys out there, just go and find what, uh, you know, like guys and girls, whatever they're, whatever they're looking to do, I'd say, you know, find what you want to do. If you want to be on the air, then you got to go someplace that's going to give you the opportunity to at least simulate what it's like to be on the air and do it as much as you can and be able to make your mistakes and learn on the fly. And it's a, you know, it's a, it's a grind, but uh, when you, when you put your mind to something and you, and you make it work, um, you know, really, and it, and it pays off for you. It's a great feeling uh, when, it, when everything starts to fall into place. So it's one of those things I would tell anybody out there, um, you know, you can create your own opportunities and you should make the most of any opportunity, even if it's something that might not necessarily be 100% up your alley, you can, uh, you can learn something from it. And sometimes maybe even learn what you don't want to do. And that can be just as important as learning what you do want to do. You're, you're absolutely right about that. And I remember when you guys started, I just kind of threw you to the wolves. I, I said to them, I said, here's what I want you to do, player profiles. So uh, get with the team, make arrangements to talk to a player. Every week, I want you to bring me a different player profile. And so they would go in and do the interviews and, and put together a pre-produced piece that actually ran on the air during the intermissions. I, I don't know how many college students were getting a chance to get on commercial airwaves yeah. at that time. I know at Syracuse University itself, you had to be a junior before you could even get on the student station yeah. to do any kind of football or basketball. So these guys were ahead of the curve anyway. But um, that experience of getting into the room and talking to players, and now you do that every day. But how much did that help you doing it then as a young college student, just to, to get to know, know hockey players, the way they operate, and just get a feel for the entire sport? It was, I mean, as you said, it was, you couldn't put a price on it. It was invaluable to be able to, first of all, just getting into that environment. It just gave you the, the lay of the land. You knew what to expect. And then something you and I have talked about over time, the more that we, we would go around anytime we had the opportunity, of course, you know, we had, you know, we had classes, we had things like that, but when we had the opportunity to go to practice or, or whatever, we would, 
we would go out there even if we didn't necessarily have a, a you know a total reason to be there that day we'd get around the place as much as we could and just we, we were able to show that we we belong there people knew our faces even if they didn't necessarily know us they they knew our faces they knew that we were you know familiar faces around the arena and i feel like that went a long way and being able to to see just to to get those interview reps to be able to do that to be able to to get on the air and we would you know we'd get the interviews and we'd go back and we would produce those and we put a lot of time into them we tried to make them as as you know sound as good as we could and um it just it was just a whole whole experience that we like we said we couldn't put a price on it and i remember one time you mentioned dressing the part bob one of my one of my favorite memories and one thing that really sticks out is we were going to see a crunch road game in binghamton and we were on a list but we showed up and we weren't on the list but we were dressed nicely and we were able to talk our way into the arena that night uh so, so you know the, the power you dress for the job you want that's what they always say uh power of the tie but uh but yeah, just all the different experiences we were able to get. And I remember, Bob, you know, right away when you were telling us, you know, you guys want to do play-by-play. Well, you know, we're going to set you up, call play-by-play, cut out parts of it. You were kind enough to, to go through it and, and, you know, give us pointers here and there on it. And those reps, I mean, that went a long way. And by the end of it, we were able to produce really solid demo material out of um, you know, broadcast that, you know, not all of it was necessarily over the air stuff. Um, we were able to have American Hockey League demos as guys right out of college, which was which was just awesome. And being around the front office, seeing what everybody did. Um, it, like I said, I that that internship just meant the world to me. And I still think back to I think back to it all the time, just because there are so many things, as you mentioned, Bob, that we do now that my first exposure to it was at you know, that time during that internship, going into the locker room and interviewing players and knowing what, uh, you know, media availabilities were and, and the structure of it all and, and everything like that and going through PR departments. And it just showed us that whole, that whole side of things. And um, therefore, after we did it, it was, it wasn't, none of it was a surprise to us. We, we kind of had the lay of the land in that regard and just knew what to expect as we, as we continued on. Now, I remember that road game. It was in Binghamton, New York, you guys wore shirts and ties. Uh, yeah. They actually had to sit in the stands. They're sitting in the stands in shirts and ties. So Doug's right. If you're in Binghamton and you're wearing a tie to come to a game, like you have to be somebody because not just the regular Joe's wearing a shirt and tie to a game in Binghamton, New York. Actually, you're lucky if they're wearing a shirt to the game in Binghamton, New York, right? <laughs> I think I think people are generally clothed. <laughs> Generally, yes. Yeah, sure. You know, Bob, I'll, I'll tell you one thing. I brought this. This story comes up quite a bit, and I, I'm not even sure if you necessarily at the time understood the magnitude of it. But I remember because Nate and I, and and Nate and I still, we talk to this day. We're still, we're still very good friends, and we've. This came up on our podcast here with the Panthers when we were talking about superstitions not too long ago. But Nate and I went to Burger King before a crunch game and the, and the team won the next game. We did not go to Burger King and they lost five, nothing to the then Lake Erie monsters who I would later go on to work for. So we're, so we're sitting there saying like, okay, Burger King got a win and then not going to Burger King was a blowout loss. So how do you reverse the trick? You go back to Burger King. 
Well, Bob, they went on that miracle 15-game win streak, and we were going to Burger King every game, and eventually we just had to stop going to Burger King, and the win streak got to be so powerful at that point that it transcended the Burger King. We didn't have to go to Burger King, but uh, but we were we went we ate a lot of Burger King to keep that win streak alive. Yeah, but of course for college guys, it didn't matter so much. You know, you didn't have to worry about the calorie intake or anything, right? <laughs> it, was, it was friendly on the wallet too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and one thing that's really funny about that now that I that I think back about, especially that team that was on that 15 game winning streak, is. Derek McKenzie was a part of that team before he had come up and been a part of the Blue Jackets. And then, of course, went to Florida to play for the Panthers. And now he's an assistant coach with the Panthers. So you talk about uh, where you're being censored there. I hear the horn going on. Uh, I just just heard the horn. I'm not sure what they're testing. Yeah, time's up. I guess guess we're done. We're finished. No. Uh, But Derek McKenzie's now an assistant coach. And, you know, life comes full circle, doesn't it? How strange is that? Yeah, that's that's uh, it's crazy to think that, you know, it was one of those things that it doesn't it doesn't feel like it was that long ago. But you look at the calendar. I mean, that was the 07, 08 season. And, uh, you know, that was enough time for, you know, Derek McKenzie to, to go from, you know, a really good American Hockey Leaguer to carving out a, a niche and having a full career in the National Hockey League to now being an assistant coach. And um, and I remember, too, the the first day that I showed up uh, that I met him well I should say the day that I met him again when I got to Florida um, because obviously we had talked to him when he was with the crunch and things like that but this goes back to what I what I said about becoming a familiar face and going out of your way to show that you belong somewhere Um, our first media day here that or the first media day that I worked would have been the 15-16 season so we're talking September of 2015 I talked to Derek McKenzie that day and I, you know, I said, I, I'm not sure if you remember me, but, uh, but I interned in Syracuse way back. And he said, Oh, I said, he remembered me, you know? So um, it was just uh, hockey, the hockey world's a small world, especially. And like you said, Bob, things, things do tend to come full circle, but I think you see that more in hockey than anywhere. I mean, I, I can't even tell you how many people that I've worked with at some point throughout my career that I've, uh, you know, come across again, whether it's, uh, coaches that I that I worked with. I mean, three of the three of the coaches that I've worked with in uh, that I worked with during my time in the minors are either head or assistant coaches in the National Hockey League right now. Um, you know, Calvin Pickard was our goalie for parts of four seasons that I was in Cleveland, and he's with Detroit, who's in town to play the Panthers tonight. So it's a it's a, a small world, the hockey world, and you just like again, you meet somebody, you never know when you're going to see him again, and. Uh, it's fortunately a world where you meet a lot of really nice people. So generally the people that you come across again are, are, uh, are just good people to, to chat with when you get the chance. You know, I, I'm so happy that we're talking to each other, having the same job at the same level in the NHL. But there was a time when you actually got out of hockey between the ECHL and the American Hockey League. You had been out in Boise, Idaho. You decided to call it quits. Fortunately, you reconsidered and wound up in Cleveland with, as you said, the Lake Erie Monsters at the time when they were still affiliated with Colorado. Tell me about that, about the hard decision to get out of the game and then finding a way to jump back in. Yeah, you know, it was a it was a time there were a lot of different options. There were a lot of different things going on. And uh, I had done a lot of fill in work at one of the TV stations in Boise. And it was something that really did at the time pique my interest. And uh you know, the, the opportunity to go and try that on a full-time basis back in the Midwest, closer to home came available. 
Um, so I, I took the opportunity and went to Youngstown, Ohio and worked for, uh, it was, it was a, a cluster of stations that had three stations under one roof. So I was the weekend sports anchor, but I was anchoring about eight sports casts a week. And there were, there were times where, you know, I'd be taped on one station going head to head with myself live on another station. So, uh, it was a, it was a unique opportunity. It was a chance to, you know, be able to really experience what that was like full-time definitely enjoy doing hockey more, but at the same time, when that job in Cleveland came up, it's again, it's funny how things work sometimes. And it's prime example of why I tell people that stuff happens for a reason. When the job in Cleveland with the monsters came open, it was very late in the off season. It was September by that point in time, they had to act pretty quickly. And I was, you know, I was an hour away, basically, you know, Hey, I'm right. I'm right down the road. If you want to chat, I'm there. I can get there anytime you want. Um, and they did a lot of games on TV and having had a little bit of TV experience was something that, uh, that came in handy for me. So when the opportunity to go to the, uh, go to the monsters came up, that was, I, I, you know, I was, I was very interested in getting back into hockey at the time anyways, but as far as places to be in the American hockey league, that's, uh, you know, the best, if not one of the best places to be with it being in a, in a major league arena and, and you folks, everybody at the blue jackets knows, uh, you know, what a, what a great organization, uh, the monsters are, um, you know, being with the Cavaliers and playing in that building and, and all the different resources that are there. So to be able to go there, that was just a, another, another one of those, uh, things that just was, uh, you know, an opportunity that I couldn't pass up and an opportunity that I'm still thankful for to this day that it, that it did come up. So, um, again, that's a prime example of why I tell a lot of people that things tend to happen for a reason. All right. So as we're talking, we're both getting ready to wrap up series, uh, the Panthers against Detroit, Blue Jackets against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And then it's time to go head to head once again. And uh, the Panthers have been tough for the Blue Jackets this year. The Panthers have been tough for a lot of teams this year. Explain to me, because there are a lot of I know there are new faces there, but there's a lot of the same faces on the ice, same coach behind the bench new general manager that we know well in Columbus and Bill Zito. But what, what has been the biggest turnaround for the Florida Panthers? Why have they played so strong from opening day? You know, there's just a lot of different things to point to. And I think it all goes back to Bill Zito's first move was acquiring Patrick Hornquist. And he comes in with a track record that speaks for itself, eight 20-goal seasons in his career, a couple of Stanley Cup rings, and he just plays the game with, an energy that's just off the chart. And you even sense that during practices. And I know he's been out for the last uh, few games here with an injury, but he's a player that his, his mere presence made an immediate impact with this team. And then the other guys that were brought in and keep in mind, uh, this is about when, when the season started, you're looking at about half a roster essentially that uh, on a given night that is new, if you compare it to this time a season ago. So Bill Zito, in addition to Patrick Hornquist, a guy like Radko Gudis comes in, who Joel Quenville has said brings bite and personality to, uh, to the Panthers' blue line. And they had wanted to add a guy like that, and, and Bill Zito went out and got one. And, and Radko Gudis, as everybody knows across the National Hockey League, he's a, he's a very unique skill set and a guy that keeps opponents honest and a guy that uh, you know opponents have to have their head on a swivel when they're out there against Radko Gudis. So those are a couple of guys that, come in and, and, you know, they brought a, a different, uh, a different approach to this Panthers team, but then a guy going out and getting a lot of guys that had something to prove a guy like Carter Verhage, and he's leading the Panthers in goals right now. Um, 
played with Tampa Bay last year, no doubt, learned a lot being a part of that group, uh, his first season in the National Hockey League, and he was a part of a Stanley Cup champion and got to observe players like Stamkos and Kucherov and Hedman and how they went about their business every day. So there's no doubt that was a, a valuable experience for him. But the Panthers felt like he was a guy that given a, a bigger opportunity, a bigger role, more ice time could come in and, and really make the most of it. And that's something he's done leading the team in goals. Uh, a guy like Anthony Duclair, who left the last game with uh, with an injury and sounds like he's going to be about 10 days or so, according to Joel Quenville this morning. But uh, another guy that came in with with something to prove has played really well. Um, you go up and down the list. There are a lot of guys like this Gustav Forsling, who's getting the first chance to take over on that top pair with Mackenzie Weger in the absence of, of uh, Aaron Ekblad, who went out with that uh, very, uh, very just tough to see injury back on on Sunday for the Panthers, uh, Gustav Forsling became a member of the Panthers. I'm not kidding, like hours before training camp. So, uh, so there's a lot of new faces that have come in. It speaks volumes to, you know, Bill Zito and his staff for identifying players that would fit with what was already here. Guys like Barkov and Huberto and, and Ekblad, who's obviously out with the injury, but you know, going down to Mackenzie Weger and, and players like Nola Chari, who've been real impact guys for the Panthers. And then also speaks volumes to Joel Quenville as well. And we're seeing right now why, you know, not just another example of why he's one of the best coaches to ever be behind a bench in the National Hockey League, because you take half a new roster, essentially, and you find, uh, you know, ways to, to maximize everybody and get guys into, into situations where they're going to succeed. And right now, between Bill Zito and, and Joel Quenville, the work that they've both done, they're pushing all the right buttons this season and, uh, and things have just really worked for this Panthers team. And it's, it's been a team that's shown the ability to bounce back a lot too. Uh, you know, whether it's in game, whether it's game to game, uh, rebounding from a loss, they've been able to avoid, you know, losing streaks of any sort, uh, you know, for the most part this season, um, you know, or bouncing back from injuries. The Panthers uh, have won their last three games and they haven't had Alexander Barkov for, for any of those three games. Uh, Patrick Hornquist has been out for a bit here. Ekblad went down, uh, obviously, on Sunday, and you got to hand it to the group for the way that they pulled it together and uh, and were able to get that win in Dallas after Ekblad went down about halfway through the second period, and then they got the win, obviously, to open up the uh, homestand against Detroit the other day. So um, you add all that in with, with goaltending that has really been solid night to night, whether it's Sergei Bobrovsky or Chris Drieger. And, uh, and that's why this team's been able to really, you know, firmly entrench itself as, as one of those top three in the uh, Central Division. All right, last thing I've got for you. With the injury to Aaron Ekblad and the trade deadline less than two weeks away, uh, how much do you feel that there is going to be a focus on solidifying that blue line leading into the playoffs? Well, you know, right now they, uh, they've said that, the, you know, the coaching staff, Joel Quenville said they're, they're happy with the, uh, with the depth that they have. Um, you know, they're happy with the, uh, the resolve of the group and, and they, you know, they, through the injuries, even with, with Barkov and everything, they've said they, they like the depth here, the internal competition, they feel like they have the group to, to keep things moving forward here. And, uh, you know, I, I think if you look at something like that, I don't, I would say it's one of those things that, like any good general manager, I'm sure they're, they're always, uh, they're always looking around, they're always listening to, to what's out there. But I think when you look at this season for the, for the Panthers, I've called this a, kind of a foundational season the the corner that they've turned this year um you know they this isn't something that's going to be a flash in the pan this looks like a, a group that's going to be good for 
for a number of years to come. So, you know, I think uh, you have the first thing you have to keep in mind is is making sure that uh, the big picture is in mind that this team's going to continue to to uh, progress and, and develop down that path to being a force in the um, probably back to the Atlantic division, uh, you know, next year, but uh, the central division now and, and moving into the Atlantic division as the years go by. But, uh, you know, I think, I think anybody would always be, would be listening, but at the same time, I think uh, the big picture is the first thing and making sure that, uh, that as the, as this season goes into next season, um, you know, you're, you're keeping the biggest view on that. Now the Panthers did, um, you know, earlier today, uh, the news just came down and uh, pulling up my phone so I can get you the uh, the particulars, but they did sign uh, a college free agent, Matt Kirstead, uh, from the University of North Dakota, who is a, a defenseman and was, you know, really sought after as far as college free agents are concerned. So, um, you know, we'll wait and see what uh, what the next step is there. But uh, that's a, a blue liner that's been been added to the fold. Yeah, I saw that uh, the, the Panthers were very much in the you know, the front group to get him. So yeah. And, and you're right that you never know how that's going to go. Sometimes those guys can jump right in from college and they can be impact guys. Of course you put them like fifth or sixth defenseman, not a lot of pressure early on, let them get acclimated. Sometimes you're not ready to make that big jump. So that'll be interesting, but yeah, I give Bill Zito credit. You try to uh, address it. Like, look, let's be honest. If you can address it by doing that and not have to go out and trade an asset to, to fix something on the blue line, uh, or if you're going to go trade for something and make it even better than it is, well, that's what it's all about. And that's and that's the thing you, you mentioned that and again with the with a signing that you you know you bring in a you bring in a guy right out of college and you know there's obviously going to be with a guy coming right out of college there's going to be a learning curve and everything like that. So we're, you know I I haven't had a chance to hear what the what the next steps are as far as as far as he's concerned or, or what the plan is there. But obviously he was brought in, but at the same time. Aaron Eckblad out of the lineup. The Panthers are, are still set to run with, with seven defensemen tonight. So this is a, gr- a deep group of defensemen. When you look at, uh, you know, Forsling and Uyghur on that, uh, on that top pair and, um, you know, going right down through the mix and, and, you know, you got the Ironman Keith Yandel and, and Radko Gudis and, um, you know, Marcus Nudabara, who, uh, who you're all familiar with there in, uh, in Columbus. But uh, again, you, you lose a guy like Aaron Eckblad, you can't replace that. He was having an, a Norris Trophy caliber season and you just feel for him, um, you know, playing 25 and a half minutes a night and was tied for the league lead in goal scoring among defensemen. So you can't replace a player like that. But uh, the Panthers, with the with the group they have, they're they're confident that uh, they've got the the guys to by committee and um, you know everything be able to uh, to at least uh, keep things moving the way that it, that it has been. Well, Doug, thank you very much. I really appreciate the preview, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing you in person. I was worried that this is the one year we're playing in the same division; we wouldn't even get to see each other. But you see, I made it happen. That's just what I do, and you've known yeah. that longer than most. Man of action, Bob McElligot. <laughs> Thank you, Doug. Uh, Best of luck to you, and I'll see you soon. Sounds good. Thanks very much, Bob. That is Doug Plagans, the radio voice of the Florida Panthers. I'm looking forward to seeing him this weekend. I'm looking forward to seeing the Blue Jackets continue playing the good hockey that we have seen here uh, in the last two games, trying to finish off this trip very strong. Next game, Saturday night, 7 o'clock faceoff over at the BB&T Center. Pre-game coverage starts at 6.30, both on Bally Sports Ohio and, of course, on the Blue Jackets radio network. And then the Easter Sunday game is a 5 o'clock in the afternoon game, just uh, as a programming note to you. In case uh, you're late afternoon on Easter, you're all full, and instead of falling asleep after you fill yourself up with that Easter meal, uh, you can go ahead and turn on the Blue Jackets and the Florida Panthers as the Blue Jackets wrap up this road trip. So, again... 
Uh, the first two games on the trip, they were terrible. Everybody knows they were terrible. They got nothing in Detroit. They come to Tampa. They play much better, but they're still on the outside looking in when it comes to the playoffs here in the Central Division of the National Hockey League. Can they get closer to that final playoff spot? We're about to find out Saturday and Sunday. Again, 7 o'clock Saturday, face-off time, and 5 o'clock on Sunday, the Blue Jackets and the Florida Panthers. That's going to do it for me. From here at Amelie Arena, boy, is it nice to be on the road for the first time this year, getting a chance to see the Blue Jackets live in another building, see people that I haven't seen all year long. Uh, that's nice, although I was batting 1,000 on the road. My average just dropped to 500. I'm sure John Tortorella will remind me of that tomorrow. But in any event, uh, make sure that you join me for the Blue Jackets and the Panthers this weekend. And Monday is another Monday mailbag edition of CBJ in 30 presented by Telhio Credit Union. So don't forget, you can send your questions to me anytime. You can either do it on Twitter or Instagram at Bobby Back Sports. You can also uh, send a voice memo to me. You can record your question as a voice memo. You can record it as a short video and you can email me Bobby Mac at bluejackets.com. B-O-B-B-Y-M-A-C at bluejackets.com. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of CBJ and 30 presented by Telhio Credit Union. Thanks to Doug Plagans for being my guest today. And thanks to you for being here as always. And until next time, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.